If there is an episode that I would do with one founder is to talk about another founder. And most definitely, Michael Libor can be that topic. Should we talk about him and insurance gig or should we talk about Samsi? <laughs> I think he would want us to talk about Samsi. Yeah, I think he will because that's yeah. he's, he's such a he's good the, heart. He will go like, he's don't a talk about guy. He's very, no, no, he no, will no, not. No, talk right. about Samsi. No, I'm good. So... How about we start talking about UNC or fly fishing? Absolutely. So I am a, a tremendous fan of the University of North Carolina, or as uh, others call it, the University of National Champions. Uh, so I, I was born in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents are Haitian, but somehow I ended up going to school in the South at the University of North Carolina. And I loved every second of it. And, uh, and so even today, I sit on a couple of boards at the university, and there isn't a basketball game. That, uh, or even football game, but mostly basketball game that I don't, uh, that I miss. Uh, in fact, at my house, mm -hmm. whenever North Carolina plays Duke, uh, as my oh. wife calls it, it's a holy day of obligation. So gotcha. nobody can bother me. I need the room to myself. Anything sharp has to be moved. Uh, and so it's, uh, so I, I'm a big fan. And then uh, when I'm not doing that, uh, I am fly fishing with buddies, uh, not every day or every week, but uh, we, we go every year or so uh, to Montana. And uh, we spend a, almost a week there fly fishing and go-karting and, and doing cool boy stuff, I guess. Um, and then on other weekends, uh, I go snowboarding. And what's exciting is huh. uh, my six-year-old daughter, I started getting her uh, on the mountain uh, this year. And so I'm hoping she continues to like it and we can, uh, we can have fun with it, um, especially since her mom uh, has no interest and breaking any kind of bones and is, is much happier at home uh, sipping, uh, sipping expensive coffee or hot cocoa. Oh, let's not go. Let's not go to the coffee part, man. <laughs> I, I'm sure it will open the coffee topic. I can give you my whole spiel about it. It will be hours of, you know, mostly cringing about the hipster movement <laughs> and all those super sour, super acidic oh. over BS. But, you know, let's know. Snowboarding. Okay. Snowboarding. Yeah. Which mountain? Bear Mountain or so, Hunter? Good question. So I, uh, so this year we were, uh, we spent a lot of time at Wyndham um, hmm. in the Catskills. And then we did spend some, uh, one, a couple of times we went to Hunter. Uh, and then there's another one close to, we uh, to, close to us in, in the Catskills uh, called Bel Air. Uh, so that one I've been to, but my, uh, my daughter and I went to Wyndham and to Hunter. But I've actually also snowboarded, uh, believe it or not, in Jackson Hole, uh, as well as in Colorado and at Snowbird, a couple of places in, in Park City. Uh, and it is much different uh, snowing in, in upstate New York and Vermont versus uh, versus those versus those places. So um, it, it's been it's been quite fun. And, you know, knocking on wood, the only thing I've ever broken was a helmet. <laughs> I'm sorry. You broke a helmet. I okay. broke a helmet, I, and I, it's not funny. Think because I because I because I was not even head? on a very steep hill. It was on my head, okay. and I felt very awkwardly. And I when I got to the bottom, I was literally cracked. So first of and all, I I'm... felt the wind. I felt the air. Uh, in my not very long hair, and I just thought I was in in heaven, and and but uh, no, luckily I was not really in heaven, and 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 survived it. 
So remember, kids, put your helmet on. So first of all, I'm put your helmet on. So first of all, I'm very happy to hear it's the helmet and not your head. So right, thank that's you. great. And wow, no, seriously, wow, it's uh, yeah, yeah. Put your helmet on. Uh, yeah, I, I, I that's not a day in the world. Sometimes I even put it on walking the streets of New York. Yeah, I can see that. But again, I'm walking here, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, come on, you yeah. need to stop. And like here That's in Los right. Angeles, that they will go, oh, I think that I hit a person. Ah, two points. <laughs> but okay, so uh, making jokes and, you know, jokes aside, and after all, people want to know about insurance and hitting people and liability, and now it's, you know, underwriting and risk. How did you end up in insurance? Good question. So I, I am a sucker for building technology and, and working at companies who are trying to build technology to help agents. And so I started 20-something years ago in the travel space with a company called Site59, and, and we were bought by Travelocity, and we built the Travelocity Partner Network, which is our Travelocity distribution network. Uh, and then I spent some time at, at, at a publishing company when the publishing industry was in disarray, trying to build up technology and a business for them at a company called Guideposts. Um, and then, you know, I switched over to, to real estate, which I, I, I love real estate. I think it's a fascinating industry mm-hmm. on, on a number of different levels and uh, was with a company called Smarter Agent, where the Blumberg brothers built a really cool search and discovery app. And um, we turned it into a private label business for large franchises, franchisees, and agents, right, as a, as a foil to, tr- uh, to the Trulia, the Zillows of the world. And uh, that ended up selling to, to Keller Williams. And, you know, I was working with another friend, uh, building a background check business and selling that off when the folks at D.E. Shaw and Nafila were thinking about a technology platform for the PNC space for commercial insur- insurance agents. And that was really intriguing to me because it wasn't to try to replace them. It wasn't to try to, you know, uh, disintermediate them, but it was a way to enable them. And I, and I'm just a sucker for hard businesses. I'm a sucker for businesses that actually, uh, that are actually about people who are trying to then mm-hmm. sell to other people. Uh, I'm not a V2C guy, you know, not a direct to consumer guy. I love building you know, platforms and technology that helps you do your job better. And this was really intriguing. And also, it seemed really hard. And and so that was a terrific combination. And so between the fact that it was technology, really hard, but I would still have to deal with Main Street, America type business owners, right? These insurance principles are your Main Street America, you know, uh, business owners, every town's got one. Yep. If every town's got a doctor, a lawyer, a real estate agent, and the insurance person. And so I thought that that was a, that was a really interesting opportunity on a, on a number of different levels. Um, so now we should actually talk about SEMC, right? So if you don't mind, give a little bit of background or a description of what SMC is. What are you selling? Sure. What have you been building in the past yeah. few years? And, I, you know, my guess is you've got some really educated, smart 
smart viewers and listeners, right? And so they're probably saying, of course. SEMCI, that sounds familiar. Uh, well, it is a play on the word SEMCI, S-E-M-C-I, single entry, multiple carrier interface. And when, one night I woke up two in the morning, not drunk, and realized, you know what? Part of what we do is really SEMCI. So why not have a play on words uh, with S-E-M-C-I and just replace the C-I with the S-E-E? Because ultimately what we want to do is we want to help the independent agent see everything. We want them to come to SEMC to figure out when they, there's a risk in their hands, uh, how to classify it. We then want to help them understand who's got appetite for it. And then when we help them do that, we want to help them connect to uh, the carriers they want to connect to, to be able to get a quote back. And then we want to help them compare that quote so they can make the best decision for that risk. But it doesn't stop there. We also want to be a platform that carriers, instead of sort of this scattershot approach to getting risk and marketing and what have you, they can have a platform that they can essentially influence and figure out where's risk coming from and how do I get to the risks that I want when I want it versus hoping and praying that, uh, you know, maybe because I took the, a couple of agencies out for pizza last week, they're going to send me more business. I don't have a follow-up question about the pizza besides if it was mushrooms or pepperoni. And how hmm. do you think it's split between, you know, if if there is more tendency towards pepperoni or as you grow in life, it will be more of a pear shoot or, or something like it's that? It's interesting. I'm more of a high-low guy. So I like my pizza half regular, nothing on it, and mm-hmm. the other half, and, or with a little bit of pepperoni, and the other half, a little bit of truffle mushrooms. Well, truffle mushrooms, truffle mu- truffles, or mushrooms truffles. and truffle oil. Muscles with truffle oil. Yeah, because just truffles, my friend. You you don't need to work anymore. If that's your go-to no. pizza, and black truffles yeah. directly from uh, northern Italy, you're in a good yeah. shape. Yeah, well, I, I have to say it's, uh, you know, again, that was one excursion, but I'm also very lucky. My wife is incredibly cool and she's the one who probably fit the bill for that. Uh, that's a, well, I think that there is a say that who you marry is the most important financial decision that you'll make. Yeah, it, it was a terrific spiritual, financial and existential decision. And honey, I love you. That, and that was two points. And now let's go back to the podcast. And yeah, most definitely, I'm going to keep this in the episode and not going to cut it out. <laughs> so let's go back to Samsi. When did sure. you start the company? So the company was founded in, uh, in mid-2017. So uh, we officially sort of got our office and started working uh, in August of 2017. How many customers? If you can so talk about it. So today we've got... Oh, absolutely. So we do share some things, uh, although I, I don't share everything yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've got about 1,500 agencies on our platform, and we're working with about 40 carriers. Uh, and that will continue to grow uh, as we add agencies and networks and, 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 and also people private label our product as well. So, uh, so that's been a really interesting fun ride. Uh, and then more and more carriers are coming to us, and not because they think I'm a nice person or because they, you know, not just because the technology is is really great. It's really because what we've bet on is that if agents really love the product, the carriers will have to come. And Mm -hmm. that's what we have found. We've really focused on making the best, absolute best product 
for the agent and their experience. And if they start to use it more and more and become uh, reliant on it, maybe a strong word, maybe it's more hopeful for me to say that. Uh, but as they do so, the carriers will realize that this is a platform they need to be on in order to continue to, to, to be in front of the agent. The key though is it's not a bait and switch because ultimately by them being on the platform, the goal is for it to be in a more efficient way for them to get risk from these agents. Yep. So what was the gap? It's like, usually when you think only about technology, right? There was a problem, yep. there is a solution. Hey, see my product. Now, for us, especially when we look at it, it doesn't matter if it's a B2C or B2B. And in this case, it's a B2B. Actually, yeah, it's a B2B to empower them to do the D. That's right. Um, what was the pain point that or why agents love your solution, your solution so much? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah it, it's a great question. The initial pain point and the crux of it, and it again goes back to the name is, Agents really want a solution, especially in the commercial space. We only work in commercial where they can in minutes, not hours or days, get multiple quotes from multiple carriers without having to rekey or re-enter the same information over and over again. That is the core of the problem. Now, by solving that problem, what it does is also unlocks some really interesting opportunities. For example, it unlocks the fact that all that activity creates data that we then can give back to the agent to help them better sell, right? But it also unlocks opportunity for us to work with carriers and, and show them how things like their pricing or uh, their, their coverages might be able to be better. Ultimately, both of those things makes the product even better for the end consumer, the 31 million plus small business owners uh, in the U.S. And so for us, the problem is really acute. But what the, what's fascinating is it allows us to sort of attack a lot of different opportunities that aren't problems per se, but opportunities to make the industry better. Well, I would define them as problems or, or frictions in the work of the agent, especially mm. the quoting, because every agent, if it's a indie agent by himself, a producer in a, a, on a bigger agency, and most of the listeners to this podcast are usually carrier startups, uh, investors, people less on the agent's part uh, or uh, individual agents. In, in my understanding, everything that you can make them more efficient will make them happy. At the end of the day, it's yeah. their business. They want to close the next deal. And if you can, if you can shorten that uh, sales cycle, you're a winner. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. And, and what I think has been an underpinning on this mm -hmm. is, you know, agents, in my opinion, have been making bad technology look good for a long time. And I think they are craving for technology. Doesn't mean that it's not hard to change your workflow that you've been doing for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. But they've been doing this workflow on not great technology. Nope. Uh, and they make it work. And so if you could prov provide them with a technology that actually does work and is pleasant to work with, that I think adds, I think, a lot to what you're suggesting. But what, uh, what technology do they have? Who is buying their technology? Are they buying it to themselves? Do they have budget to buy it? 
at the end of the day they will need to go okay I have a, an AMS it's a vertifor or a applied or whatever that may be they may get all kinds of marketing tools that they may or may not you know use them and that's it the carriers yeah. will not invest in in the, in the independent even in their captive or uh, ex- yeah. exclusive they are not going to give them too many tools because they don't know and c- cannot control the question of the ROI is such a big question there that yeah. they are already rolling the cost of the marketing expense on the agent so now right. they're going also to give them a tech well it's a good question right and I think what we have found and what I found in just talking to agents is yes they spend a lot on AMS and we could probably do several weeks worth of podcasts around AMSs cool. but they, they are spending money on I think you know maybe secretly on things like places that help them understand their data not everyone but there's some of that they're starting to spend money on things like a CRM or mm-hmm. a VoIP system and so there are all, all these small disparate things And unfortunately, not interconnected pieces of technology that they're buying piecemeal to solve slivers of problems or to, to sort of make something efficient. They're not buying them and sort of aggregating them or at least con- interconnecting them to make their entire workflow more efficient. Um, so mm-hmm. I, so I, that's how I think about it. Here's the other thing that I think uh, that before that, here's another yeah. shout out to Michael Libor, so we will uh, yeah. so we show him how absolutely. Now. And this is why you need an insurance gig in order to connect all these things together, right? And the so, workflows. Um, it's all about the workflows. It's all about the workflows. That's, I think that's right. So um, hopefully Michael Libor will, uh, will take us out both for a drink. Um, <laughs> that would be fun. The, the other thing I would say, by the way, is that these agents, I have seen so many homegrown things to solve problems. And that's not talked about, that's not in somebody's budget, but almost every agency I go to, they've created some kind of Google sheet to do this or that. They've used docs, they've used Excel. So it's not technology per se, but it is using the tools that you have to essentially um, do what technology could or should have done for you. And so I think that's an important element that people don't talk about because it's not something you're buying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I would say is this. If there wasn't opportunity and or money uh, and a need for this, I don't think Salesforce would be investing as much as they are in their insurance, and they are. Oh, they invest so much. Are, I would say, so much. yeah, they're investing. They, you have carriers with centers of excellence that is dedicated to Salesforce. They've managed to do an amazing job to penetrate into the insurance industry. It's remarkable. Right. But for sure. from what I've seen, it's in the career level, and I'm not sure how much it managed. No, percolating is going up, so how much it cascaded down and reached yep. the agencies or the small agencies. We've seen clusters. Actually, also, the, the agencies, the networks, and the clusters, they don't really have, uh, let's call it love, uh, but big brokers do. They have the budget to handle um, a Salesforce bu- uh, cost and license. Yeah. No, I think that's right. Now, I do think that there are a number of networks that we have seen and some whom we work with who've also built their own you know infrastructure on the back end of some of the things that we've talked about and, and I think that's going to make a big difference going forward because I think one of the things that I have found fascinating 
about the insurance industry that it that the insurance industry can learn from travel and real estate and other agent friend agent focused uh, initi- industries mm-hmm. is the fact that I think insurance does a better job of protecting and owning its own data. Now, I don't think insurance does a great job of having data flow where it needs to go when it needs to go efficiently. Mm-hmm. But the ownership of it, I think, I think is key. And I think there's some other things that uh, the insurance industry could do to make that better. But ultimately, I think that what that's going to do, it's going to empower, I think, going forward, using technology, the agents, small, large, and networks and things of that nature, to be able to better manage their book of business and do provide better service and yet make more money. Okay. Whatever you can improve efficiency, reduce cost, increase the pie, provide them actually some sort of a business intelligence based on yes. their own data and maybe uh, the area, not really competitors, but something that, will, that they can actually leverage or become smarter. Hey, that's a win. That's an absolute win. And I think this is where, uh, you know, I think we are going, part of where we're going with SEMSI is as these companies are leveraging and understanding their data, we become an execution layer for them to be able to manage that data and in a way that's better for their customer and that's better for their bottom line. And that's really the the interconnectedness that I see going forward uh, uh, in the industry. And please tell me if you don't want to answer this. So how do you work with the VertaForce? Because basically we have like two guerrillas that yeah. control the market. Are you in competition? Are you, a, a, let's call it another layer in the stack? Because we've seen that every time there was a new AMS they, um, that made a little bit of a traction, they bought them out. Yes. Yeah, I, you know, first let me say it's not it it, it won't be easy to, to to buy us out or, or me out because uh, we're not we're not in it to sort of a quick sale. We want to build build a great valuable company. I, I we do not work officially or with the the big two as you as you would say, um, and we're absolutely open to it because our, our agents want us to. One of the two or three biggest questions agents ask us is. How can you connect to my AMS so it can make the whole streamline flow mm-hmm. more efficient? And we're absolute game for that. I think, however, the the folks that you've mentioned, there's some hesitancy there. That I think that hesitancy is based on sort of maybe business model. That hesitancy may be based on technology. Um, but I think that, that that there's some hesitancy, both historical and even current day. Um, but we think that it's going to be important for for the industry, for the data that is, in theory, owned by the agent to be able to flow where it needs to flow so that the agent can be better. And at the end of the day, if the agent is better and selling more, upselling more, cross-selling more, that's good for the, for the small business owner. They're mm-hmm. better protected. It's better for the carriers. You've increased the pie. And it's better for all the vendors, such as these AMSs, because now there's more money in the pocket of these agents to be able to afford your not very, uh, let's call it cheap product. If there is something that I really like about the insurance industry, that there are competitors, but you always partner up with your competitors. 
you will yeah. if you're in an insurance company it's i think it's in the dna of the the industry because you share risk but not just about you share risk if of course if you're looking at uh, a lloyd's act uh, of uh, how much risk each uh, syndicate can actually take it's also embedded in the dna here in the us and everywhere else so if you have the lead but you don't write it you will send that to someone else. You bundle insurance right. and different products that can come from different carriers. The concept that my competitor is my worst enemy is not there. Right. My competitor can be also my partner. And I love the fact that it's not just about the insurance product, also in technology, because there is always something to be done there. Yes. And from there, it's always a question, okay, how do we leverage it? So, in a very awkward segue, I will ask you. St- you, you've been operational for uh, since uh, 17, so five years, if I know to do basic arithmetics. Um, what's, the, what's the plan for the future? Well, I think for us, it's, it's twofold. We, there are a number of features and functionality that we think uh, will make our product more powerful mm-hmm. uh, for our users and for the agents, much of which they're asking for. And that's, again, continue to, to build opportunities to help it help them place business more efficiently, easier and faster. Right. And, and, and I think it starts from, again, how do you classify to figure out where to go and, and then sending it off. I do think, and we very much believe in partnering. We very much believe uh, in not having to build everything. We want to be an expert in a particular lead to quote scenario, okay? And then to to get the to get a bind. But that doesn't mean we need to build our own CRM. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we need to build our own AMS. We've talked about that. It doesn't mean that if there are some data providers who can make our form that much easier and faster and, and helpful both to the agent and the carrier to, to get data that's good, rich data to be able to more accurately provide a quote. It doesn't mean we shouldn't and won't, and we are doing that, uh, connect with them. And so I think the future is both really focusing in, at least for SEMSI, what are the things that are core to what we are, who we are, and what we do for the agent and then for the carrier? And then what are the things that are important adjacent elements that we can partner with the right um, with the right tech providers, vendors, carriers, agencies, whomever, AMSs, in order to sort of make the entire thing sing much more harmoniously. What's the size of the team now? So uh, the team is about 40. 40 people. That's that's impressive. That's big. The majority tech or a combination of all? It's a combination of all. We do probably have more of our folks on the product and technology side. We're very much product technology first. Who is backing you? So we are initially funded by, by D.E. Shaw and Nafila and now, uh, which, uh, which is now Markel. Uh, and we recently added uh, O1 Advisors, which is a VC uh, out of San Francisco who were funded, who were founded, pardon me, by the CEO of uh, Twitter and the COO of Twitter, Adam Bain uh, and Dick Costello. And you recently raised um, another round? 
Series B. Yeah. We did. We just announced uh, raising a Series B. How much was it? I'm not asking we, what's we the valuation, announce. but oh, you didn't announce. Okay. <laughs> we did not announce that. No, don't be sorry. I, I know it's not the custom, uh, but we want to focus on the story of what we're going to do and what we're going to build versus people doing mental gymnastics to understand what the number is. Oh, means. yeah, I know. I know. That's why, hey, that was a prep for the, for the gymnastics, right? That's right. So uh, for all of those of you out there who, who love gymnastics, as much as I love gymnastics, let me, I'd rather, you know, we focus on where we're going. Well, I'll tell you what, seriously, do you like gymnastics? I thought that from 80, it means that you're one of us. You like football, uh, soccer. Oh, I like football, but I, I mean, gymnastics is kind of incredible. Yeah, yeah no, it's... Um... That's the it's closest kind of that we can have for Superman and uh, I don't know whatever superhero that you want. Like they they heard about gravity, so that's the only thing. Yeah. It's like no, it's 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 incredible. But I mean, now if you give me a terrific two-one football or soccer match, depending on where you're from in the world, I'll take that all day long. Yeah, let, we can call it football. And then it will be like in between. <laughs> There's probably a sport called football somewhere. Oh, there is. There is actually. Uh, basically, that's in Portuguese, but you'll have also the one that it's sort of, um, um, how you call that? It's like volleyball, but you can only use kicks in your head. Oh, and of course the chess. Oh, yes. I think I have seen that. And what's fascinating is there's probably an association for that sport. Oh, there is. And there that association probably they, had to create a... The, there is a, there is a and league. And who underwrites everything. it? That's a, this is an insurance podcast. And then who underwrites it, right? Ooh. I don't know. I'll check with my connection in uh, in Rio de Janeiro. I'm sure that well, someone it, from Sao Paulo is already like... Zurich, uh, Zurich Brazil is already like... Uh, that's on us. One of our big, one of our big partners, uh, they're an agency. They're based out of Connecticut, and they underwrite the knockerball associations across the country. I'm sorry, what? And so, knockerball is that? this thing where you enter this plastic bubble uh-huh. and you knock each other off on it. And there's associations all over the country, and they created a program for it. So we laugh, but that the programs exist for almost anything. Listen, if there is risk, someone will underwrite it. Yes. It's, it can be sport. It can be almost everything. It's like someone will do it. Someone will figure it out. And it's so important because otherwise, think shit can happen. And, and unfortunately, shit does happen. Yes, it does. Or as... Yeah, uh, but... I wonder, I wonder now, because of what's going on in the Ukraine, startups will start mm-hmm. to take a new coverage of four, especially based on the location of their developers. There are so many startups. That's a lot. It's a good question. Because there are so many startups that are, they have huge, well, in quantity of engineering engineers in the Ukraine who are now like, shit, we... we, we we can do anything. Yeah. It's a fascinating point. I mean, we've thought about it, not because we have developers in Ukraine, but we actually do have uh, a handful uh, that we have operated with this, this really interesting company in the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. of all places. Hmm. And, you know, in that scenario, you have to think about electricity, you have to think about hurricanes and 
other things of that nature. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think your point is incredibly well taken, right? As dynamic and as wonderful as, you know, for all of us as humans across the world to be relatively interconnected uh, and, and have commerce across it, it does create additional risk because any sort of small incident in one part of the world inherently has impact home here at home. Yeah, that's actually a great question because it's not business disruption, although it sounds like it. It's not supply yeah. chain because it sort of falls under R&D. Hmm. I don't know. I need to post that as a as a question to the public. So if anyone knows, I, I don't know if you if you might not you might not be posing it as a question. You might be creating a program right here on this podcast. Um, I just want to make sure I get a little bit of a cut, and you can find it on Semsi, by the way. Fantastic, and that's where you shop for a developer in, interruption or R and D developer interruption. R and D interruption. Yeah. Yeah. Something that. Yes. Keyboard interruption. Yeah. Internet. Uh, and uh, later on, we'll have other things. Okay. I think that uh, we bullshit enough. So, because we all, all, already passed the 30 minutes in, let's bring that, uh, let's wrap it up. And I'll ask you the question that I'm asking everyone. Please okay. give us a recommendation. It can be a book, a TV show, a life yeah. hack, whatever that, whatever that may be. So I actually came prepared for this. Good job. So I, um, I sent this to all the, the, the folks on our team. Um, it's called The Obstacle is the Way. And I was a, uh, a philosophy major. I got a master's in philosophy of religion. Mm-hmm. And the Stoics were always interesting to me. And this book is sort of a modern take on Stoicism, which is really about how to focus in on achieving things, even if there's an obstacle, make the obstacle the way so that you can confront it. And so I'm fascinated by this book. Uh, it's it sort of, I guess, on a, a number of bestsellers now and a number of different folks are using it. And so we're sharing that. And I think it's a, it's a really fascinating, it's a short read. It's not a big read. So that's one recommendation. Um, you know, depending on my mood, I can give you recommendations on, uh, on music, but I, but I, I've been really listening to Krugaban and, and Leon Bridges a lot lately. I think the combination of their music is, is fascinating. Um, and then the third category is, is TV. You know, part of what I like is um, I sort of, I'm, I feel like I'm living my life uh, with two different shows in mind. One with Ozark, which is oh, this yeah. unbelievable cold pragmatism that I really appreciate and admire. And, and on the other hand, the optimism of a Ted Lasso. And so I'm, I feel like I'm walking that fine line between an optimism of Ted Lasso and this, this unbelievable uh, sort of... Uh, Maybe dangerous, but certainly uh, prag- uh, sort of cold pragmatism uh, of Ozark. That's such a polar view on, on, on things. Wow. No, it's a, yeah. well, Ozark, if you have a Mexican cartel on you, yeah, no, that's, an, that's a motivator. I would, that's a motivator. Not, I would not wish it to anyone. But the Ted no. Lasso, yeah, that. First episode, uh, first season. Second season, he was less optimistic. 
but also they get a little. I mean, reality started to hit. Yeah, but reality second season hit. they were like more about how can we share more, develop the characters yeah. of all the other characters and show them that give them around um, what that uh, yeah basically turn them a little bit more that. a character and not just their sidekick to his jokes and yeah uh, yeah okay it's interesting mm-hmm. I, I you could that could be an interesting poll what tv show or series mm-hmm. maybe even famous musical act had a better second album or second season than the first season interesting well i can tell you that the a remake of how i met your mother or how make your uh, husband uh, father <laughs> not as funny but not, not so good no not so good yeah in my opinion but okay it is what it is anyway it is what it is i have to say the wire was probably better seasons three and four than maybe seasons one that's the closest i can come to man i i'm sorry i haven't seen the wire then I think you are missing out on one of the greatest TV shows that ever existed. I'll I'll put it in the queue. It will need to go somewhere towards Q3 2023. But um, yeah, we'll we'll get back. We'll get it. We'll one day finally. When you, I'll see that. When you create the program for the Ukrainian developers and you've sold it off, oh, man, that's it's so you can sad, do it. especially nowadays. Who knows? By the, by the time that this episode will air, I hope things will come down. But it's hard to tell. It's super. It's very hard to tell. Absolutely. Well, I, I, my heart goes out for the Ukrainian people for sure. Yeah. And with this, some very thoughts and a little bit, of, and hopefully a little bit of optimism. Philip, thank you very, very much for joining me today. It was a pleasure thank having you. Thank you, Pleasure was all mine.